0: Welcome to Season 2 of Grain IQ. I'm Chad Moyer. Grain marketing is a critical piece in keeping your operation profitable. In Season 1 of Grain IQ, we covered the basics of grain marketing. In Season 2, we dive deeper into these grain marketing concepts that we covered in Season 1. So if you haven't listened to that, we invite you to start there. We're continuing part two of our conversation now on how to use the USDA WASDE and the Quarterly Grain Stocks Reports. Today's focus is on the latter, the Quarterly Grain Stocks Report. Keep in mind now, there are some grain marketing experts who use this information, and there are some who don't. It comes down to what works for making your operation profitable. We're joined again today by Jeff Peterson, the president of Heartland Farm Partners in Lincoln. Switching gears a little bit now, let's talk about that other report that you said has value and that can allow us to make some decisions in our marketing plan, and that uh, that's the Quarterly Grain Stocks Report. So, you know, first of all, introduce what is the Quarterly Stocks Report uh, and and uh, what is its purpose? Yeah, so the Quarterly Grain Stocks Report, you know, I always look forward to getting it.
1: Um, of course, I my background was with Cargill dealing with commodities and been kind of doing that my whole life so the amount of stocks that are out there is always always interesting to me but but basically what that report in a, in a nutshell tells us is it tells us what are those amount of stocks that are on farm in, in farmers' bins and what are the amount of stocks that are actually moved off the farm or, and now are setting in commercial storage now that number is reported at the national level But it's also broke down all the way down to the state level. And as you mentioned before, that number does come out, you know, four times a year. We see that number released around January 10th. And that would be for basically where our stocks would have been as of December 1st. And then we see the number when they're trying to forecast where everything's at as of March 1st, that's released at the end of March. And then when we're looking at where the stocks are at on June 1st, that's at the end of June is when it's released. And then the one that's always really good to look at is at September one, the when they're looking at where the stocks were at as of September 1st, that's released at uh, September 30th. So those give us a really good feel of what's
0: left out there for bushels, Chad. So again, kind of like the WASD, there is an assembly process to get this data all put together. So when you talk about on-farm and off-farm, so that sounds like there's a couple of avenues you have to go. You have to go uh, survey the farmer, but you also have to go to private industry to get their ideas too, huh? Yeah, you really
1: do. And that's really, I mean, if you look at this report, the agency that's putting together is the National Act Statistics Service at both the state and the national level. And, and you you hit it perfectly. There's a farmer survey portion. And what they're going to do is that basically anybody out there that's involved in any of your government programs, they have an equal chance of being selected so they may be selected. They may be sent a form. And, and here's something that I'd encourage is that I know this day and age, it's, it's always, you know, none of us like to fill out information. But really, this information is for our benefit. When I say we, it's, it's for the benefit of the farmers. It's also for the benefit of really anybody who's involved in the, the food industry to have that information as accurate. And so what they'll do is they'll send out a survey, and if they don't get a response, then they'll follow up with a phone call or, or, uh, or maybe even do an in-person visit. But just to give you an idea, a lot of times the amount of people they survey may vary just slightly, um, but usually it's over 60,000 individual farmers that they're surveying. Wow. And they're asking for what they've got you know, basically in their bins.
0: And, and that was going to be my next question is, too, is it what, uh, uh, how wide are the commodities that they're asking about for the quarterly stocks?
1: Well, that's a great question. I mean, it's for corn, it's for sorghum, for oats and barley. It'd be for durum and then all your wheat, your spring wheat, your winter wheat, and, and also your Chicago or your soft wheat. it hit on soybeans. It would also, they report on
0: on peas and lentils and also the chickpeas also. So those are all included in the report. And I would imagine, uh, based on that list of commodities that you've talked about, um, there are some states uh, where they're all important, there are other states where some of them are more important or more abundant than others, huh? Oh, most definitely. You're
1: exactly right. Now, what's interesting is that, so that's on the farmer side, so mm-hmm. the rest of the story, so to speak, on how do they get the information for the stuff that's stored at the, the grain facilities, there's another surveying process they do for that. So across the U.S., there's approximately about 8,200 facilities that store grain. And obviously, there's different ownership, and so they don't have to necessarily reach out to 8200. But what they're doing is that uh, they're they're surveying those 8200 facilities, whether it's in joint ownership or however it is, and that represents about 11.8 billion bushels of storage. And so what they normally say is that they normally receive back responses from about 90% of those facilities. Now, they take in that data, from the farmer and also from the green facilities at the state and the local level. But they just don't stop there and report it. Uh, They're looking back and saying historically, maybe there's some tendencies. Maybe certain areas, certain states, maybe they tend to report low on their stocks for what they've determined over time. So they've got different models in there. They're also looking at different areas and saying, well, what was the production in that area? What do we know about what the usage was in that area? does that seem like a reasonable amount of bushels that should be left? So they've got different models that they do. So so they just don't take the survey itself and automatically report that number. They're doing some double checking and validation and accuracy on it. And then from there, then they're putting that information together, making it available. And that's the other thing on the WASDE report, making it available so anybody has access to it.
0: 8,200 facilities, uh, that would be the off-farm storage. Um, it, that encompasses all business types, right? Cooperatives, sole proprietors, um, LLCs, large corporations. That's, that's all a part of that, right? That would be all part of it. Anybody
1: who would be approved to be a store individual who could store grain.
0: As you look at the quarterly uh, grain stocks report and what it is, I guess, you know, how is it presented? Talk about the elements of the report. What does this report consist of?
1: You know, this report isn't, you know, nearly as, as long or as extensive as you'd have in the WASDE, uh, but it's still 13 pages long. And what I appreciate about it, it, you know, it's broke down. It gives you a summary of kind of the commodities. They spell out what their findings were written out in a couple pages. And then from there, the data itself, though, uh, 13 pages of it to cover those different commodities. And then the methodology, and what I that's what's always neat to look at. Um, So you can see, everybody can look at and see what's the exact methodology of how they physically came up the report every time they're released. They also do give a page on who are the NAS contacts information, you know, who the individuals you can reach out to if you have a question. And then at the end, they do have some additional NAS information, NAS like statistics service information for some additional resources that you can go ahead and click on. And so we take that report. And what's interesting about that report, the stocks report, um, how we physically use it. And it's an important part of the marketing plan. Mm-hmm. And what we do it is that uh, we're able to then look at, okay, what's what's going on at that state level, all right, how many stocks are left, so we use it to help us make basis decisions. Um, we can take the, the stock data on farm and off farm, and then we also can take some other information, so from out of Lake Statistics Service will have a crop production report we can get an idea what the yield or production was at that county level. And then that information can be a good one to tell you, you know, do we think in a particular area based on where the demand is at, based on how production and stocks compared to past years, what do we think could happen on basis going forward?
0: You kind of brought up a thing, too. I, I was thinking that, that whether it's Wazdy or the Quarterly grain stocks report, does, and I know all segments of the market look at it, but does one have more effect, uh, like on the futures trade? Would traders look at it more, and uh, maybe the other one has more impact, like you said, at the local level, or are they kind of equally viewed all over? No, I think you're
1: right. I think if you were to dig into it, I'd say the WASDE report would probably be, uh, would have a bigger impact or effect on the future side of it, and then your stocks data would actually also give you an idea to, from the basis side of your local level. The other thing we do use from the stocks report, okay, and it's not a, a particular number that's broke out of it, but since we do see from one quarter to the next a difference in stocks, right, uh, a good way that we use that is to say, wait a minute, does the estimates that WASDE has given us in the WASDE report, do, does it look like we're on pace to meet those based on how stocks are basically disappearing? And where that's really important, uh, it's probably not so important on soybeans because a lot of that information, there's reports, supplemental reports that kind of update you on crush and exports. Mm-hmm. But where it's really important, I would say, over on the corn side is as we relate to feed demand. Because I don't know, Chad, I, I, if you talk to many feed producers, I don't think they report to anybody the amount of bushels that they're feeding to their livestock. Mm-hmm. And that's something that they don't do but we know there's great information out there in regard to what's being exported. We see that every week. We see information in regard to what, you know, those sales are and exports are. We also each week get an update on ethanol. So we know where that's at. But from the feed side, there's an unknown there. So basically what you do is you look at, okay, what was the disappearance? Meaning when I look at the stocks on one quarter to the next quarter, how much did our amount of stocks reduce. And then I could back out of that, okay, how much went for exports, how much of that went for ethanol. And really what you're left with is you're left with what's called feed and residual. Okay, so what residual basically means, it's it's the unexplained disappearance of those bushels. So we group those together. And so how USDA will use that and and potentially use it in the next WASDE report is they'll look at that and say, wait a minute, there either was more disappearance from feed and residual than what we thought, which means in the next WASDE report they'll need to increase the amount of feed demand, or if there wasn't as much disappearance related to the feed and residual, then they may need to go ahead and lower their amount of bushels that are going into feed in the next WASD report. So that gives you kind of a little bit insight into how that stocks report actually does then also spill over and get some information into the
0: WASD report. Just uh, last question on quarterly stocks, again, uh, what, what is the most important thing that we can use from the quarterly stocks report to help trigger a decision with our marketing plan? The most important
1: thing for us to look at is at how is our stocks at both the state level and national level, but more importantly the state level, um, how is that comparing to past years? And so what that could help us to do is that could help us to make the decision on whether we should be deciding what type of contract we should use. If we're using in our marketing plan Hedged to Arrive's where we physically had the futures price set but didn't set the basis, if it looks like there's more stocks out there, maybe we need to get the basis set. Or, for instance, if there's less stocks out there, then maybe we need to wait on setting any basis. So that's that's what we would use, and that's how we'd use it in
0: our marketing plan. Jeff, uh, I'm going to have you define a couple of terms for us here today. And just uh, you know, off the top of your head, when somebody says to you, define the carry in the futures market. How do you define the carry?
1: Yeah so as, as I define the carry what I'm looking at is that first thing that comes to mind is in the futures market where the in and traded on Chicago Board of Trade what we're looking at is the difference between few, two of the futures months. So for instance if I'm looking at the amount of carry between December and March, December and in the next month March I would take the March price Minus the December price, so you always take your your furthest out month that you're looking at. You subtract off what your nearby is, and that difference is going to tell you the amount of carry that's in the market.
0: And, and that carry can be positive and negative, right? Depending on the situation. Most definitely, that can be positive or negative. Yeah, and that's part of the, the next one is a, a define an inverse carry or an inverse market.
1: Yeah, an in inverted market in that particular situation as you're looking at the futures price so we're talking because we can talk about inverted futures we can talk about inverted cash but when we're talking about the inverted basically the month that's closest to you on the futures market is higher than price than one that's further out in
0: time okay and you said that can go for both futures and cash right so when we're calculating our basis and and doing a local bid that's a definition that we need to know too, right?
1: Yeah, it is. And, and, and it tells a story. I mean, whether you've got carry in the market or whether you physically have got something that's inverted, the story that it's telling us is it's telling us when the basically the market wants the grain. So if you've got a carry in the market where prices in the future are higher, in essence what it's saying, you know what? We want your grain, but why don't you hold on to it for a little bit and bring it to us later? But if you've got a situation where the supply is a lot tighter, that's where you could have an inverted cash and an inverted futures market. And basically that's telling us, bring me these bushels now because I want them now. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean the price won't be higher down the road at some time, but that's the signal that the market's sending at that time.
0: As he's describing that, I'm thinking of Top Gunn. started up on his six when he pulled through the clouds and then I moved in above him. Well,
1: if you were directly above him, how could you see him?
0: Because I was inverted. I was inverted. <laughs> <laughs> There's two sides to the futures market. There's the people that look at the fundamentals solely and there's the people that look at the technicals solely. Define what are the fundamentals. Yeah,
1: fundamentals by definition would be basically anything that has to do with the supply and demand of the crop.
0: Okay, and then what are the technicals in a futures market?
1: Yeah, the technicals, what we refer to there is that we're saying – what are the different one? What's it look like on a chart? So we're displaying that data graphically. And then from there, we also can take that data that we have and we can put mathematical calculations or do math with it. And we can come up with as a result of that a different types of technical indicators. And it's just a way that
0: we're physically able to analyze just the price data itself. All right. So on one side, you're looking at physical commodity. The other one, you're looking at the action of what's actually happening in the market. And
1: Exactly. We're looking at what the actual prices are and doing
0: calculations on those. Again, that's Jeff Peterson, president of Heartland Farm Partners in Lincoln. This is Grain IQ. I'm Chad Moyer. Grain IQ is a production of the Nebraska
1: Rural Radio Association with support from the Nebraska Soybean Board. It is brought to you in part by Nebraska soybean farmers and their checkoff. Grain IQ is hosted by Chad Moyer and produced by Rebelsa Klocha. It is written and edited by Alex Wojcicki. Our project manager is Bryce
0: Duskett. You can listen to Grain IQ on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or online at ruralradionetwork.com.